Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look around the NFL with John McClain from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610. Here's your boy Q. And when you hear that, you know John McClain is on the phone lines from gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610, and he is. And John, thanks so much for your time. Before we get started, how was your trip to Vegas? I'm sorry we missed each other. Well, I'm sorry, too. I spent over 10 hours in the Caesar Sportsbook four days in a row, ate most of our meals in the sportsbook because we were watching basketball nonstop. And I had so much fun. The people there were tremendous. And uh, I'm sorry I couldn't break away because everything, a friend of mine, Gary Horn, had brought Carol and I up there with his wife, and, uh, and, it, and it was so much fun. And the hospitality of everybody is always, as I remembered, at the hotel, at the airport, everywhere we went. Only meal we ate outside of Caesars was walked across the street to Hell's Kitchen the first night before basketball. And uh, But I had a blast. We'll be back. We love coming there. In fact, we were all talking about if we were going to live somewhere besides Houston, living, out, living in Las Vegas and Nevada, state of Nevada would be a place we would all love. Nice. I like it. I really do. So I got to ask you, since you were watching all that basketball, how is your brackets looking today? Oh, my brackets were destroyed a long time ago. (laughs) Uh, Farley Dickinson killed me like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And then I, we, Carol put a lot of bets down. I put a lot of bets down. Only time we ever bet is if we're there. And I, I bet lost money on Blue Blood team that got beat. Of course, I couldn't bet against Baylor. They lose to Creighton, and so uh, I wasn't very smart about it. But after four days there, Q, I only lost $100. And if I hadn't been in a sports book, no telling how much we would have spent on concerts, mm-hmm. eating out at restaurants. So the way I looked at it was I came out ahead. Yeah, no, you definitely did. And I'll tell you what, next time you come out here, we got a date at Joe's. I'm going to take you and Carol to Joe's for sure. Well, we're coming back when we got more time, and I look forward to it. Yeah, John, man, I was really missing you, but did you get away to? Did you have a chance to sneak away from the sports book and hit any of the tables? Uh, my buddy Gary Horn did. <laughs> my wife did a little bit. I did not because one. I'm really into the World Baseball Classic. When mm-hmm. I was at the Astros spring training, everybody was talking about it. Championship game is coming up here at six Central for your time and. United States and Japan, those games have been great. So I'm watching one on a small screen at Caesars, and I'm watching Jose Altuve bat for Venezuela and get hit in the hand. And I knew it was bad immediately. I tweeted it. And, of course, he has to have surgery. He's going to be out till after June 1st. That is a serious blow to the Astros. So there were I love watching those games. Tell you what, it would be hard for me to stay away if uh, I lived in Las Vegas, I think I'd have to move way outside of town. <laughs> hey, man, you can you can find all kinds of spots in Vegas outside on the outskirts. Nah, Summerlin, move, yeah, move to Henderson. Henderson, yeah, yeah move where to Q's Henderson. at. <laughs> Q's out there in the suburbs. Yeah, John, you'd be great. Next door to Q, you'd be fine. Also, the WBC, you've been talking about that. How much fun is it, and how can we get that type of fun in Major League Baseball? Well, first of all, every team would have to be an all-star team. That U.S. team, it's funny that you ask that, DeMond, because the U.S. team has all-stars at every position but starting pitching. The starting pitchers basically abandon that team. 
where Japan, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, Mexico, they all, it meant so much to those teams that they sent their, they sent all their best players. And so because the U.S. doesn't have great pitching, you have a lot of hitting, a lot of home runs, you have drama, and that's what makes it so much fun. People in other countries go crazy over it, and people here are like, what? What's the World Baseball Classic? And that's the way I felt at the last one. I just couldn't get into it, but, man, I'm into this one. <laughs> Mike, excuse me, John, sorry. How can the Angels be so bad with Mike Trout and Joe Ayatani? <laughs> and Anthony Rendon left uh, Washington after the – Nationals won the World Series over the Astros in 19, signed a $236 million contract, and he's been hurt uh, ever since. And remember their draft, not this year, but last year, it was all pitchers because they can't get the kind of pitching the Astros had. The Rangers have t- tried to buy the pitching, and the, and, the, and the Angels spend it on hitters instead of pitchers. And I think with Altuve out, until mid-June, and Justin Verlander pitching for the Mets, the division won't just be the Astros running away with it, the Mariners getting the wild card. Hopefully, for Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, those guys, the Angels will make a run. If they don't, they're going to lose Otani in free agency, the first $500 million ball player. Wow, that's a whole lot of money. Again, we're talking with John McClain from gallerysports.com, also Sports Radio 610 in Houston here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, speaking of buying players, obviously we know it's free agency time right now in the NFL, and the Raiders have taken the approach where they haven't signed any big names. Jimmy G and Jacoby Myers were the two big names that they signed. Everyone else, rotational player, depth, guys that are going to come in to compete. Do you like that approach, or do you think that's an okay approach for the Raiders to take and then do the heavy lifting in the draft? Hey, let me guys ask. Let me ask y'all this because I'm about to do a mock draft for GalleriesSports.com. Uh, since Garoppolo is signed, do y'all expect them to use that first pick on a position player, or do you think that they would take one of those young quarterbacks if they were available? And then, uh, like say Anthony Richardson, sit him out for a year and uh, let Garoppolo play because they can get out of Garoppolo's contract after one year, mm-hmm. or do you think they'll take a position player? Well, I'll tell you, my gut feeling every day is getting more and more like they're going to stay there at number seven and, and draft a, a big-time defensive player, that one that falls to them, like maybe a Jalen Carter, Christian Gonzalez, maybe a Tyree Wilson, whoever's there, because they have so many holes, John, on the defensive side of things. I don't know about DeMond, though, but that's how I feel. Oh, I feel I like think- if – oh, I was going to say, if I feel like if Anthony Richardson's there – if Anthony Richardson is there, I think they take him. But if not, if he's gone already, they stay at seven and take the best player available. You mentioned Q. Uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, mm-hmm. who's really good coming off an injury, and he's he's going to be healthy. But he is a terrific prospect. But I don't think Jalen Carter's fallen beyond Seattle. Seattle has everything on offense, and the Seahawks are trying to rebuild their defense. And they've showed before they don't care about character issues. Right. I think there's no way Jalen Carter gets beyond number five, but I think Tyree Wilson would be there if indeed he's the one they want. I think that's a little high to draft a corner. But they if they want one of those corners and there's several that are gonna go in the first round, knowing what needs the I mean needs the Raiders have, maybe they trade maybe Ziggler trades down a little bit. 
picks up another pick or two and still gets a corner. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening as well. I would not be shocked. Again, they're going into the draft with 12 picks right now after the trade for Darren Waller and wouldn't be surprised if they pick up a couple more moving forward. So, again, if you're trying to do the heavy lifting and, and bring in your impact players in the draft, for a team like the Raiders, do you feel like that that's an okay approach for them to take? I think there's nothing good comes from trying to win March. Right. You know, the Jaguars did it forever, and it finally happened last year. And they were fortunate to play in a terrible division. And I was happy for them. Some of those free agents they gave big money to panned out, wide receivers and tight end. And, but generally, that doesn't work. Free agency is littered with players who might have done well with one team, didn't fit the schemes of the new team, or they get the big money and it has an effect on them where they don't put out as much as they did and they start to get hurt. And there's nothing wrong with filling some needs to me if you think it's going to help you get in the playoffs or if you're in the playoffs, help you be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But I don't think anything bad comes from that. The Raiders and Texans both have 12 picks. You don't want 12 rookies on your roster. I tell people all the time, a roster's like a salad. Too much green ruins it. <laughs> so I'll guarantee you they're going to be making other moves. And you never know. They may package some of those picks this year or next year and move up and try to get a quarterback like Anthony Richardson who can watch and learn by Jimmy G. The newest turn in the soap opera of Lamar Jackson is that <laughs> he has someone that is not NFL PA approved taking meetings on his behalf. What have you heard about that, and where do you think we're going with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Anytime you hear that a uh, player's negotiating his own contract, nobody negotiates their own contracts. If they don't have an agent who charges 3%, they have advisors who pay by the hour. And those guys, if they're not certified, like this guy with Lamar, they're not supposed to actually be negotiating. And now they say this guy's calling different teams, and I don't know if it's legal to call them or not, but it's just another another example of the fiasco that is the Lamar Jackson negotiation. If he had a legitimate agent, I think they would have had this worked out last year uh, or maybe the year before. I still think he's going to be with the Ravens, but right now this just compounds the mystery. This guy telling people he's ready to move on from the Ravens. And and I just don't see anybody giving him a a big guarantee, not when you've been hurt two years in a row. He should have taken that three-year guarantee he said that he turned down. And then he he should have said, I'll take it if you promise after three years you will not tag me. Then he would have been unrestricted at 29. How is Lermy Tunsil keep getting all these deals? That's who Lamar should be trying to talk to because Lermy Tunsil seems to get the guaranteed money whenever he feels like. <laughs> He's got good advisors. People think, oh, boy, media here. Lermy Tunsil's negotiating his own deal. Tunsil's a smart guy, and he stays on top of it. But his last contract here, his, he came here in the trade before the 2019 season. He had a receiver, Kenny Stills, for two ones and a two, and they're not worth it. Kills is out of the league. Cubs has been really good, but the Texans have been bad. Last year he gave up one sack, and he played great, but nobody noticed it. And uh, 
So he was the highest paid lineman in history in 2020. Now he's the highest paid lineman in history in 2023. And if he plays his cards right one year before this one expires, he'll still only be 31 years old. And the way offensive linemen are playing today, they're playing into their mid-30s. And so I look for Tunsil. That man's made a lot of money, and he was going to protect the rookie quarterback's blind side. Talking right now with John McClain from gallerysports.com, also Sports Radio 610 in Houston here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. Brandon Cooks was traded over the weekend from the Texans to the Dallas Cowboys. Kind of saw that relationship coming to an end. Lots of dead money left with the Texans, but uh, what are the Cowboys at this stage of the game getting in Brandon Cooks? He could still play. When the Texans fired Jack Easterby, he was not the same because he and Easterby were really, really tight. And he wanted to be traded at the deadline. We thought he was going to the Cowboys. He did not. He quit on his team. They took away his captaincy. He missed a couple of games. Then he came back. And his best game was the last one against Indianapolis where they didn't want to win, but he helped them win. (laughs) And then Casario, the general manager, still traded him where he wanted to go. And I knew all along they weren't going to get anything for him but a low pick. And getting a five and a six is fine. He'll go up there with Dak Prescott and play with CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, and he'll be a nice addition for the Cowboys' offense. But unfortunately for the Cowboys, he cannot play running back. Right, absolutely. And they uh, they just moved on from their guy in Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard's coming back off the, the broken leg as the franchise tag holder there in Dallas. John, final question for you. Uh, what did you think about Cam Newton and also DJ Fluker working out with Auburn and Alabama as they have their pro days trying to get back into the league? I like the idea of those guys doing that because, number one, they want to see what kind of shape they're in. They want to see how they still move. Cam, of course, how he still throws. Cam is 34. If he would agree to his contract for like one year and a million dollars to be a backup and mentor a young quarterback, he could get back in the league. But they don't, nobody's going to view him as a starter. And so I think that's something would be important for him to emphasize. And, uh, and I hope for his sake that he get, he gets it. I think he, I'd love to see Cam Newton back in the league. And as far as D.J. Fluker, I have not thought about him in a long time, but you can never have enough offensive linemen. And he was pretty good for a while. So I hope it all works out for him as well. Yeah, I have no problem with either one of those guys working out with those uh, those programs just to see if they have anything left in the tank. I think it's smart uh, to try to go ahead and showcase what they got. So, uh, John, fantastic stuff as always. What do you got coming out on gallerysports.com and Sports Radio 610? We should be on the lookout yeah. for. Yeah, I was fortunate about doing my new mock draft on there and uh, sportsradio610.com. I have a column about the Texans signing uh, Dalton Schultz to solve the problem at tight end and Devin Singletary, a three-year starter the last three seasons for the Bills, to uh, complement Damian Paris that tremendously upgraded their offense with those two guys. Q, DeMond, thank you guys very much. I look forward to talking to you next week from the NFL meetings in Phoenix. Nice. I'll be there as well, John. I'll be there as well, so we'll oh, catch good. up. Alright, we gotta get together. There you go. Done deal. That's sealed the deal right there. John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610. Catch up with them next week in Phoenix, Arizona at the owners' meetings uh, where Radio Nation Radio 920 will be, and this show will be generated from there. So many thanks to the general there for joining us, giving us all things 
NFL. 3.15 is the time we come back, get to a couple of your calls and texts, throughout a couple questions. Uh, what's your interest level on Cam Newton? He's 33, hasn't played since 2021. Uh, I've seen some passes. I showed some, some video to DeMond during the commercial break. Uh, he looks pretty good, looks like he's pretty healthy. What would your interest level be? I see reports that the Raiders were in attendance at Auburn's Pro Day. Would you have any interest in Cam Newton? And also, is there a move or two that Dave Ziegler and the rest of the front office can make at this point that'll get you excited about the direction that the team is going? Let us know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Many thanks to John McClain, gallerysports.com, Sports Radio 610 in Houston. Joined us in the last segment talking all things NFL. Always appreciate hearing from John. It'll be good to catch up with him next week in Phoenix at the owners' meetings. Coming up at 3.30, Nate Geary, Bills pregame, WGR 550. Talking all things Jaquan Johnson, the safety that the Raiders came to agreement with yesterday and made official on his deal today. Let's go out to the phone lines, talk to our guy Dino in Toronto. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, Q? Demond? Love your show, man. All Raiders all the time. Just grateful that you guys are always on the radio, especially up here in Canada, man. It's, uh, it's really special, so I just wanted to say thanks for that. Appreciate you. Um, not, too, not too crazy about Cam Newton, man. I mean, uh, okay. one, once upon a time, all-world talent, but... I, I hope they don't do anything like that. I mean, uh, they got Jimmy G. They got some familiarity from the New New England uh, uh, of the past, and I think that let's just give him a shot, shot. I would really love to see some O-line help and some D-line help, man. I mean, I, I just hope that they're not dependent entirely on this draft. I know there's not a lot of guys left in free agency, but I, I'm sure there's still a couple of people they can pluck there, man. I mean, uh, just uh, – they just they just need some help in the in the in the center of the field there and then the old line to protect Jimmy G man I think and I think we'll be all right I mean I'm not expecting miracles but we're going to be competitive if they can if they can just protect the quarterback that's all Sounds good. Dino, thanks for the call, my man. I appreciate you. Thanks for the compliment on the show as well. It's definitely much appreciated. And uh, he says no go on Cam, and that's fine. And that's why we throw the question out there to you. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and your reasoning. So uh, thank you for that call at 702-365-9200. Of course, our don'tbebroke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R&R. Joseph in Denver said, what would get me as excited is shoring up the interior of the offensive line. Signed Dalton Reisner. He is still available. That goes back to what Dino was saying. He'd like to see some attention on the offensive line and defensive line. Shore up the trenches a little bit. I like that. Jim from Yonkers. I had a feeling I hear about Cam Newton today. Sign him if he passes all physicals. If Chad Henney at 37 can go 95 yards in a playoff game and never plays, why not Cam? As for Ziegler, sign Foster. Uh, shout out to Heidi this morning for standing her her ground regarding Jalen Carter. She suggested that he speak to Henry Ruggs, not just Mad Max. Holds her ground in a man's world. Kudos to Heidi. Uh, that's obviously from the morning tailgate. She, he said, thank you uh, for a great show, Q&D. So there you go. Cam Newton, he's on board with if he passes all the physicals. Uh, sign Foster Morrow, who I believe is probably going to end up in New Orleans with Derek Carr uh, and obviously going back to where he is from. I know he's had a couple visits so far free agent-wise and uh, it hasn't become official that he signed a deal yet, but uh, I feel like just gut feeling tells me that he's going to sign uh, with either New Orleans or, you know, I think, what, did Tennessee? Did he go to Tennessee as well? Was that, or am I making that up? I only saw the New Orleans one, but hey, maybe he did. I, I thought there was another team that he uh, he had a meeting with. I'll have to check that out, but I uh, definitely appreciate, Jim, uh, your text, and thanks for listening all day long, starting with the morning tailgate all the way through Unnecessary Roughness. Let's go out to Raider Mac. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's up, Q? I'm just, I've been listening for the whole week, because it's, it's a lot going on, man. Yep. I mean, we got the uh, free agents. We got we got all this um, the draft coming up. I mean, I'm just trying to listen to you guys and where where are we going as a team. But man, it's 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 
it's just been crazy. Um, no, do not sign Cam Newton. Okay. <laughs> I'm like this. I mean, I respect him, but do not sign him. Remember, he's just we, a backup, though. He's not. It's not like he's a no, starter. He's a backup. We, no, we don't. We need to get a young guy. Okay. <laughs> we we tired of all. We don't need no more old guys. We our roster. We need we need to get some young guys at that quarterback position. That's why I was surprised that uh, what's the name left left and went to um, Denver. Um, Jared um, Stidham. Jared Stidham. There, yeah, Stidham left and went. There. I was surprised, but you know what? He took the money. I don't blame. Him. But um, I think the. I don't know. This is just a shot. I would try to get Marcus Peters. We need help on the defense, man. Forget the offense. Well, I mean, right now we got the offense. We getting the offensive linemen here and there. You know, we just signed two. Off, we got some offensive linemen, but we need to get. I would say Marcus Peters. Okay. I mean, you, you, you signed him to a one-year prove-it deal. I mean, he he can play corner. He better than any corner that we we've had in the last two years. I, I, besides, um, what's the kid that went? Uh, the kid that went to um, Atlanta. The, oh, the, Casey Hayward. Was, Hayward. Hayward was terrific. He was good. That yep. year. Mm-hmm. So, um, Q, so, and my last question, Q, to you guys. So, in the owners meeting that you guys go into next week, um, are we, are they, are they going to be talking about revenue? Because uh, my question is, is that the Raiders, the last three games, other teams took over our um, our stadium. Mm-hmm. Do we have to share that money with other teams? No, that's a that's a no. That's the thing about uh, you know when you host a game, right? I mean, there's obviously there's revenue sharing going amongst the whole the whole NFL, right? And that's what Washington's under investigation right now for Daniel Snyder. Uh, he's kept some money from the other teams. But the one thing you'll never have to worry about at Legion Stadium, as much as I hate to say it, is that it'll always be sold out, right? Selling tickets ain't never going to be a problem. Uh, the Raiders are going to get their money. They're going to have everything sold out, and then they're going to sell tickets. Uh, the season ticket holders and others that have the tickets are going to sell them on another market. So that's how all the other fans really get in, is by selling it on what? I don't know, ticket, not Ticketmaster, but like... Uh, What's the little websites that you can go and get tickets on real quick? Yeah, stuff like that. Those StubHub? Secondary markets, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Also, Marcus Peters is 30 years old. Right. So to say that, oh, I want young guys on the roster, but want to bring in a uh, 30-year-old cornerback, what was his season-ending injury? That well, one time, uh, he had an ACL not too long ago. I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's been pretty banged up. I'm not saying late. he's not good. I would have liked Marcus Peters after he left Kansas City, right? He, before he got to LA, before he went to Baltimore, would have loved Marcus Peters there. I thought he was a dog coming out of school, uh, but he just, you know, he, he's he's been around for a while. Uh, but he is out there, and if you want to give him a one year deal, I mean. Look, I mean, he's right. He's a guy that at least you know he's going to create some turnovers. That's one thing. He's going to get his hands on the ball. He's going to get burned sometimes because he's always looking in the backfield. But sometimes you live with that, right? If you know a guy's going to come up with three or four interceptions a season, you feel pretty good about that. I'm not saying that's exactly what he's going to come up with, but Marcus is going to get his hands on on a couple balls. So I can see that. As far as Cam, I mean, 33 years old. He's been out of football for a year. Again, you're just talking about a backup quarterback. I'm not talking about a starting quarterback. Um, You know, and and if you want to have some insurance just in case – Jimmy G gets hurt, you want to have a guy that you feel pretty comfortable with if he were to go in, it's not a massive drop-off. And the only thing I'm concerned about, thinking forward and thinking about rookie quarterbacks, yeah, they're, they're going to get one of those guys, but is he going to be ready in a pinch just in case Jimmy G goes down? 
Yeah, exactly, because we always say this playbook, hey, if they draft somebody, he's going to need to just sit and just, you know, learn the playbook for a year, learn behind Jimmy G. So what good does that do if this guy that, in theory, would be sitting the whole year just to learn if he's got to play week six? Right. That right. wouldn't do him no good. No, it really wouldn't. But, I mean, hey, I get it, you know, and, and a lot of folks are, are going to say no to Cam, and that's fine. And, you know, I just – I'm looking at him, and I don't even know if he would – what he would, uh, you know, be ne- de- demanding when it comes to a contract. He might want big time money, and the Raiders are like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Or he may humble himself and say, hey, I'll take a one million dollar prove it deal, like John McClain was saying, and then I think it'd be worth it. But again, uh, it's just just a question that we throw out there, Raider Mac. We do appreciate you. Andy hit us up on Twitter. Foster visited the Bengals, so there you go. I knew that he visited someone else. I wasn't sure. Andy, thanks so much for that. I do appreciate it. So yeah, Foster Morrow's been on a visit with the Bengals, also with New Orleans. We'll see where he ends up, but I know that he's a he's a player that a lot of fans are big fans of, and I'm not sure where this this staff sits when it comes to Foster, but they have brought him back yet so I'm thinking that he's probably going to be a guy on the outside looking in and probably sign with another team but again that's just my gut feeling so we definitely appreciate you for that tweet and thank you for the calls as well 328 is the time when we come back Nate Geary Bill's pregame show WGR 550 he'll join us to talk all things Jaquan Johnson it's Raider Nation Radio 920 now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q Got one quick text that I wanted to get to on our don'tbebroke.com text line. All seats are sold out to PSL holders since 2021. However, there are always a few tickets available at the box office on game day. PSL holders, me included, can resell on Ticketmaster, StubHub, or other platforms. You are correct. The Raiders already have received payments for all seats in the 2023 games. That is from Just Win. Wendy wanted to kind of update you on that last uh, that last call that we had about uh, the seats and who's in the stadium and who's getting paid for what and who's not. So Just Win, Wendy, thank you so much for that text. We do appreciate you. Join us now on the phone lines. Nate Geary, Bill's pregame show, WGR 550 at Nate Geary Sports on Twitter. And Nate, thanks so much for your time this afternoon noon. Wanted to ask you about Jaquan Johnson, the safety that the Raiders came to agreement with, played in 16 games in 2022, had 28 tackles, an interception and a pass defense. A lot of that came by way of special teams, but what can you tell us about Jaquan Johnson and why he hasn't quite been the guy that he was expected to be as he came out of the University of Miami? Yeah, Q, great to talk to you, my friend. Uh, glad to be on with you. It's been a while. I hope you're yes, well. Sir. Yes, um, sir. Yeah, so Jaquan Johnson, interesting cat here. Um, this is a guy that the Bills drafted uh, four years ago, obviously became a free agent this year, and maybe had his best opportunity in the course of his career to shine And in, in, in what would have been a contract year, right? So it, for those that may not be super familiar with the Bills, I think if anyone has familiarity with the NFL, they know that over the last couple of years since Sean McDermott has came to Buffalo, Brandon Bean as well, their general manager, they went out and they secured uh, two free agent signings that has really changed the way that this defense has played football for the better part of five seasons. And that's Micah Hyde, who missed last year, which gave Jaquan Johnson the opportunity to get some playing time, and Jordan Poyer, right? So it's not like the Bills had a ton of opportunities for young safety to develop um, in terms of getting like actual playing time on the, on the defensive side of the ball. So Jaquan really spent the first three years of his career um, as more of a special teams guy, kickoff, kick return, and, uh, and punt, and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, the one thing that stood out, I think, to everybody, especially during training camp, um, is Jaquan isn't the biggest guy, but he can certainly lay the lumber. He's had a couple of highlight reel hits. Um, did so over the last, over the first couple of years of his career on special teams, making some standout special teams plays. 
But the thing was, is he was actually kind of the first guy. Obviously, everyone knows, you know, kind of what the tragic, the tragedy that happened with Demar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. But I think what a lot of people don't know, Q, is that Jaquan Johnson was actually given the first opportunity to take Micah Hyde's position long term for the rest of the season. Micah Hyde went out in week three. He did not play again for the rest of the season. And in the in that first week four matchup. It was actually Jaquan Johnson in Miami that had the opportunity to start that game. Um, he ended up really struggling in that game quite a bit. That's what opened the door for DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin came in, really never looked back until obviously the injury, um, where then Jaquan was sort of forced back into duty. But at that point, Q, the Bills actually at the trade deadline went out and got Dean Marlowe, a guy that had a lot of familiarity with the Bills and played here for a couple of seasons, spent his last season with with Atlanta, so the Bills felt like, luckily they did, but they felt like they needed another body at the safety position, so they go out and get Dean Marlowe, and we never really saw Jaquan Johnson again until the playoff game where, where Jordan Poyer and Dean Marlowe went out with injury. So, um, yeah, I, I would tell you that it didn't all work out the way that maybe I think a lot of people thought he was the heir apparent to Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde, um, but obviously the Bills back uh, bring back Poyer this year. We're hoping to have DeMar Hamlin back as well. And uh, things just didn't end up working out for Jaquan here in Buffalo. Yeah, it just it seems like something just never really kind of clicked for him. Again, at Miami, he was, like you said, laying the wood. He was creating turnovers, kind of sideline to sideline. He was that guy. And someone brought up Carl Joseph the other day and said they were, he reminded him of Carl Joseph when he was supposed to be coming out of West Virginia, and he was a smaller dude as well. What do you think was the biggest reason why it didn't click for Jaquan? I do really think uh, it, it, it had to do with instincts, Q, to be honest. Okay. like. There was just a couple of plays in that Miami game, in that first Miami game, that I'm thinking where Jaquan just took really, really, really bad angles of pursuit where, you know, he's kind of the last line of defense. That safety, you know, you your job has to be like nobody can get behind you, whether that's the run game, a screen game, um, or a deep route receiver. I'm really more talking about, like, you know, edge runs where he's kind of the last guy to the edge just taking really bad angles against quicker running backs. And and he got exposed a few times early on this season. And I think that's ultimately why the Bills moved in another direction quickly, went to DeMar Hamlin, who kind of solidified things and played really well up until his injury. And, you know, I think for me, what it comes down to is the, the instincts at the safety position are so important. You see some of the best safeties in the league are some of the most instinctual players on the field. You sort of, are that quarterback your defensive backfield. And um, when you consider what the Bills want to do to you defensively, especially with their safeties, is disguise coverages, start in one thing, roll to another thing pre- and post-snap. And I think a lot of that, the the nuanced level that the Bills asked their safeties to play with was maybe a little too much for Jaquan. But really, for me, the thing that stood out and one of his biggest shortcomings was just his inability to take good angles of pursuit and be a, a guy that they could trust as a tackler, which, again, I thought was a little confusing because when he came out, I think that was the one thing everybody thought he could do really well, which was lay the lumber, he could tackle well. Um, the things that I had questions about were him and coverage. And although those questions still persist, I was really kind of disappointed with, with sort of his, his short window of opportunity as the starting safety in the Bills defense. Talking all things Jaquan Johnson right now with Nate Geary from WGR 550. You can find him on Twitter at Nate Geary Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Well, you told us the bad, so how about we try to add to this compliment sandwich and what were some <laughs> of the areas that he impressed in at all? At all? Yeah, I think he can really be a top-tier special teams player in the NFL. Uh, he really has the speed 
Um, it's a get downfield. He's really good at setting blocks. To me, it was just, it wasn't the, whenever he was playing down in the box, the box defender, sort of that extra run defender, because as you guys might know, the Bills run almost exclusive nickel coverage, which forces the, the safeties in the Bills defense. One of them is usually either, it's usually Jordan Poyer, but Mike High can do it as well. Um, to sort of be that extra box defender when teams are running the football. And that was an area I actually thought Jaquan did very well. He could get down, he could play in the box, even though he's small. He was good at getting around blocks, getting upfield, and making a tackle. I think it was just on those outside carries, those screen plays, um, where he was asked to kind of be the guy in space. That's really where I think he struggled. But when you put him in a vacuum, when you put him in between the tackles as a physical run defender – yeah, I think that's really where Jaquan can thrive. And, you know, if you guys have a system where you're going to maybe look to play two, three safeties, Jaquan could be that third safety as that extra run defender inside the box and be a guy you can rely on to, to, to not necessarily, because of his size, get bullied around by offensive linemen or tight ends and be a guy that can shed a block, get, him, get himself in position to make a play in the run game. When DeMar Hamlin succeeded him in the lineup as being that backup and eventually that starting safety, how did he respond? I know you've got that first bird's eye view on the sideline. Yeah. What was that like for him as losing his spot on the team? Listen, um, constant professional. Um, you know, I, I think he was probably dis- as disappointed in himself, probably more so than I think a lot of people were because this was kind of – viewed as an opportunity for one of these safeties to be the future for the Bills. We Obviously, with Jordan Poyer, we weren't sure what the future held for him. Obviously, he tested the markets. He came back, signed a two-year deal with the Bills. And frankly, up until towards the end of the season, there was no guarantee Micah Hyde was going to be able to play football again. I mean, he sustained a really scary neck injury and a herniated disc. And it wasn't a given that, that Micah Hyde was going to come back. There was a really a very real chance, guys that the future could have been Jaquan Johnson and DeMar Hamlin at both safety positions going into this season. That didn't work out that way. So the, uh, the opportunity, I think, for him lost was certainly one that was disappointing. But there was at no point anything negative that any of the beat reporters would tell you about Jaquan. He was a guy that was really liked in the locker room, was an infectious personality. I just think it ultimately it kind of the, the, the opportunity passed him by. He's going to have an opportunity now in Las Vegas, um, I would think, to be your third safety. Um, and a guy that can come in to be a special teams ace. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. The, right. the third phase of football in the NFL and special teams is super, super important. The Bills spend big money on guys that only play special teams. So do other teams across the league. Jaquan's going to be one of your best, better special teams players. The question is if he's asked to be thrust into duty, can the scheme fit his skill set? Um, and I'm just not sure that it, that maybe was the case here in Buffalo. Again, we're talking with Nate Geary from the Bills pregame show, WGR 550 here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, the Raiders are in a position that the Bills were in a few years ago when they went and got Josh Allen. And, of course, he had some areas where he needed improvement coming out of school. Well, the Raiders need a quarterback long term. There's a chance that they can go with the Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Of course, you've heard Will Levis, is, his ceiling is Josh Allen. When the Bills got Josh Allen, what were some of the growing pains, you know, and, and how quickly did you realize that, yeah, he's, he is going to be a really good quarterback? It's a good question, um, and I, and I always caution people to pump the brakes on on the the Josh Allen comparisons because I think he is truly um, one of one. I don't think there's gonna it'll just end up being any player that's got raw skills and a big <laughs> giant arm and can maybe you know do some things in the run game and, and be a powerful runner that they're automatically going to be compared to Josh Allen. The right. thing about Josh in his rookie season that I think opened some people's eyes. Obviously, everybody remembers the, the leap play in Minnesota 
that was his second start of his career. The first one did not go well. His first start in Green Bay, um, the Bills got crushed. He threw a couple really bad interceptions, and it didn't start well for Josh. But he's also surrounded by really low-level talent. I mean, this number one receiver was like Andre was Andre Holmes, a guy I know that you guys are probably familiar with. <laughs> oh, yes. That was like his, <laughs> it was his number one receiver. Right. Um, so, like, and then obviously they, midseason they made the trade for Isaiah McKenzie, who they actually just let go, and Calvin Benjamin. And once they were able to surround him with some talent, he started to flash some of the things we see now early on in his career in the first year. It really wasn't until the end of year two where we started to see those strides really get taken. And then years three, four, and five, um, you know, Josh really kind of turned into the bona fide superstar that he is. But I would tell you that right up until the injury, his, his rookie season in Houston, where he's able to sort of take a step back, the Bills didn't do what the Raiders are doing, which is bring in a legitimate veteran quarterback that's probably going to start every game for him this year. When they started the season, it was Nate Peterman and Josh Allen. And Nate <laughs> Peterman won the job and lost it at halftime of the first game. And it really wasn't until the injury happened that they went out and got that veteran at Derek Anderson. So I think for me, the Raiders are going to do this the right way. They've already sort of laid the right foundation. They're bringing a guy that knows Josh McDaniel's system and Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to bring in a guy who has played in a Super Bowl, who has, who's played in really meaningful football games. And frankly, guys, let's just call a spade a spade. He's really not that dramatic a difference of Derek Carr, in my opinion. But you guys are paying like half the cost. So right. um, I really like if, if you guys are going to end up drafting a developmental style quarterback, whether it's Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, you guys are really setting the foundation for success by not maybe forcing his hand and having, having, having to have him play super early. Is there one of those two quarterbacks that you think is going to be better than the other one? Because, look, there's four quarterbacks that we're all looking at in probably the top ten. All four of them aren't going to end up being good. Stroud and Young, I'm sure, are gone one-two. What do you think about Levis and, uh, and Richardson? I'm not a huge Levis fan myself. Um, I, I get it. He's got the intangibles, the arm strengths there. Uh, there just was a lot of inconsistencies in Kentucky. And, of course, some of that has to do with your playing in the SEC and you don't have the surrounding cats that, you know, that anybody in Alabama, Georgia are on that map, right? He doesn't have bona fide first-round picks all across. Um, he did have Wondell, uh, Wondell Robinson, which is a nice player, obviously. Um, but if it were me and the Raiders could choose, I'm not sure they'll have the opportunity to choose. I'm going Anthony Richardson all day long. Now, if you want to talk about a Josh Allen comparison, that's actually the guy – I might say is the actual Josh Allen comparison because mm-hmm. he's got the unbelievable mobility. He, he's sort of like if you were to, 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 to put together Josh Allen's arm strength with Justin Fields' athleticism. And that's to me why I think if I'm the Raiders, that's the guy I'm looking at. But listen, I think if they end up with Levis, I, I, I don't think you're in a bad place. I just think you really want to give him time to stew. Where I think as much as Anthony Richardson is really raw, he reminds me of Josh Allen, and I think I might want him to play more football. He hasn't played a lot of football, right? And this is almost the same argument that you had um, with the kid from San Francisco. Now his name is Trey Lance. Is Trey Lance, crazy. yeah. Oh, Trey Lance, right? Everybody talks about well, Trey Lance has got a fit of season. He needs time to develop. Well, the guys played like twelve college football games, and they were all at the FCS level. Like, I think you need to get Anthony Richardson playing time early. So I think if that's the play. Um, you know, I'm not sure how long Jimmy Garoppolo will be in there. He signed what is essentially a one-year deal, let's be honest, right? So um, it, could, it could be a short-lived uh, career for Jimmy G in Las Vegas, but if I had the choice, guys, like if you guys have the opportunity, both guys are on the board, 
you guys should be running with the card up there for Anthony Richardson. I want to ask about one of Q's close personal friends, Von Miller. How soon right. is he? <laughs> Me and Von, we kick it, man. <laughs> How soon is he going to move into the front office in Buffalo? Well, hopefully not too soon. Um, I will tell you that he played up until the injury last year at an all-pro level. Um, he was leading his top five in pressure rate. Um, he was doing things at his age that I think only the Bills could have hoped and dreamed for when they signed him to that big contract. And obviously the injury hurts. Happened in Thanksgiving. We saw that it took really almost a full calendar year for Tredavious White to come back from injury. Luckily, and I do say this with luck, I guess there is a level of luck in this, that Von Miller's come back from a knee injury before, whereas Tredavious White has never experienced that before, the, the, the coming back from a knee injury. I suspect that Von Miller will probably miss most of training camp, if not all of training camp, come back this season. Hopefully he can return to what the form we saw him come back with to start last season. But I think we're probably two to three years away from him, um, you know, kind of transitioning away from the game that he loves so much because of the level of football that he was playing last year. So um, I think it's, it's definitely in its future. I'm just hoping that it's uh, at least two or three years down the line. Yeah, he was at the Combine, and that's what he was working on, you know, trying to get some familiarity with what everything goes on in the front office. And we actually got an opportunity to hang out with each other. And I know he won't remember me from Adam, but uh, it was a great night. It was a fun night with Von Miller and kind of picking his brain on everything that he was working on. I thought it was pretty cool. So uh, that's where that Q's friend Von Miller comes from. Not really <laughs> my friend, but I'm going to claim him. I'm going to claim him until he denies oh, yeah, me. You got it. <laughs> right? You got it. Exactly. Well, Nate, fantastic stuff, man. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for man yeah draft coverage i'm just gearing up for the draft i'll be on uh all round one day one day two day three nice um on the bill's flagship wgr 550 in buffalo so i'll be doing that and um yeah get ready for my golf game too because here in buffalo uh the weather is finally starting to turn you guys wouldn't know a damn thing about it <laughs> beautiful weather all the damn time uh, so don't worry, uh, our, our weather will be better than Vegas here in just a little while. I'm just kidding. It's never better than Vegas. But, uh, no, I appreciate you boys for having me on. And um, anytime, Q, you know uh, you know my phone's always open for you, my friend. Absolutely. Hold on real quick. Yay or nay on a sure. dome in Buffalo? What, what, what did you say? Yay or nay for a dome in Buffalo? Oh, gosh, you're opening this can of worms. I could go all day on this. Um, Yeah, it should be a dome. I mean, Listen, the last couple of years, there's been some crazy weather games, some crazy cold games. I was at the um, – the uh, it would have been the Patriots playoff game two years ago where the Bills didn't punt and they scored like 50 points in that game. Now, I get to sit in the broadcast booth. My buddies, they were all sitting outside. At halftime, I decided, all right, I'm going to go check this out. I'm going to go see just how cold this is. I'm going to go meet those guys after I do my halftime report. And I walked out the door, and I did like that, that – um, uh, like that Simpsons meme where he walks in, puts his coat up, puts it back on, puts his hat on, walks right back in. I spent like five seconds outside because it was the coldest I have ever felt in my entire life. No lie. Uh, yes, this city should have absolutely paid for a dome, but they're not. Um, so it's a moot point. They still kind of want to have the, um, I guess, the home field advantage with that sense. But yeah, no. The Bills 100% should have been building a dome. No doubt. There's no doubt. I'm so glad Allegiant Stadium has a dome, and we have great weather yeah. here. <laughs> so there's that. You're telling me, man. Nate, fantastic stuff, man. I appreciate you as always. We'll talk soon. My pleasure, fellas. Anytime.
Thank you. There he goes. Nate Geary, great job right there. WGR 550, Bills pregame show. He's all over the Bills coverage, going to be on the Bills draft. I should have asked him what the Bills' biggest priority was coming up in the draft, but we'll talk to Nate uh, in between now and then. So many thanks to Nate giving us a little bit of background on Jaquan Johnson, who sounds like he's going to be a really good special teams player for the Silver and Black, and if he has to be thrown into action, he's a guy that knows his way around the field of the defensive backfield, but he's not the guy that they're going to rely on to be that dude. So many thanks to Nate. We definitely appreciate him. 3.49 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, wrap up hour number two. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Got a few minutes here left in hour number two. We'll be talking to Mike Sando from The Athletic, talking all things free agency at the top of the hour. Then D. Orlando Ledbetter from the AJC will join us at 4.30 to talk about Cam. Whoa, Cam. You don't know about that, D. You don't know about that. Not a clue. You don't have a clue? No. You don't know about that old school guy? No. Oh, man. Man, every once in a while, you just got to fake it. right? Remember what they say, fake it till you make it? Nah, this don't seem like it's going to take me anywhere if I didn't know. You, no, Man, that would that would impress the ladies if you, ever, if you ever walked into the room one day with a bunch of ladies and been like, Cam, whoa, Cam, like that. Then they would be like, where'd you get that from? And you'd say, Jam, whoa, Jam, I, I've, okay, Teddy, that, Jam for me. And then start jamming, but don't sing like me because I'm a bad singer. Oh, uh, no, I have heard about the jam okay, part. You do then, that yeah. one. Okay, well, that's, that's it's a playoff of that song. That's okay, all. <laughs> all right. And I like how you said the ladies would be impressed. No, they would be. How would they hey, be? Because I doubt. They would be impressed whenever a fella comes with the R&B, like, just off the top of the dome and just knows it. Like, I don't have to be a big R&B fan. So I'm walking around singing? No. But if you just, if you walk into the the room, right, and you just see a bunch of ladies and you're trying to impress them and you might just look over and be like, jam. Whoa, Jam. She'd be like, oh, damn, he knows about that. Like, yeah, girl, that, that was jamming at the house back in the day. But I'm saying that the ladies that I'm going to be going out and encountering, yeah, they know. not going to know nothing How about that know? either. They, they, hey, look, man, the ladies love R&B, man. Just because you ain't an R&B head and you're not going back in the day, man. Look, mom and dad or mom and anyone was jamming that R&B at the house. Mom and dad. They could have been mom and anyone else. You know what the old school is for people my age now? What? I was like Usher. What? Usher is old school. Usher, well, he's got a residency. I'm saying so no. Right. So how old is this jam? Teddy, I mean, guy is back in the day, man. I'm talking about Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley, Teddy, yo, he, you know, he, what about uh, Black Street? You know, Black Street. Yeah, you know, that, no that's, diggity. That's like the cutoff, though. That's come on, uh, man. Teddy Riley. That's like before I was born. It, it don't matter. There's a lot of things that happened before I was born, but I still know the history of it. Especially, I mean, especially if you could put it in your pocket and use it for later. I'm trying to learn you, man. Q, you act like, all right, so you was just listening to the biggest hits from the 60s? I mean, look. Because it was before you. Mom, mom was jamming. There was never a time. Look, this is the one thing my mom was notorious for. She had the best parties at her house. So there might have been times she was playing music that I didn't know what it was, but I still heard it. And so when you hear it, it resonates in your mind. And so then later on, you can come back and play and say something about it. Like, oh, how you know about that? Oh, man, we used to jam that at the house. That's how you That's how you play that game, Damon. Man, you ain't never going to get nowhere if you don't know how to play that game. That's a game that's just not being played as much as you think No, because you guys are too busy spending memes, sending memes to, to girls. And it says, jam on the meme. And that don't do the same thing. That don't do the same it thing. It works just as good, trust me. It definitely does not. It definitely does not. You guys are wasting your time They'd spending like, your wheels. they be like, I know that song. No, they don't. They'll be like, jam. I don't even like jam. You know, they'll think you're talking about a sandwich or something. If you sent a, an accompanying meme or video. That work? No, it doesn't. It's not the same. See, it's got to come from the soul. That's what I'm trying to tell you, man. 
Man, you gotta hang with your boy a little bit more. I'm gonna walk into the party and just be like, "Jam." No, only and if somebody's gonna only go, oh. if the only if the, the 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 situation presents itself. When is that situation? You coming up? when it hits you. That's what I'm saying. It's gotta be organic. You can't just walk in and force it. But that you'll one know. in a million chance. You'll know when it happens. Tomorrow, I done pulled a rabbit out my backside so many times, man. You just gotta be prepared, right? What well, it's like insurance. You'd rather have it and not need it than not have it at all, right? I'm just saying. All right, man. All right, jam. I, I got it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. I just don't know when said situation will come. But now it's in the back pocket. I, I don't know if it is or not. I'm not convinced. It's back there. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, what is it? Way back. <laughs> I got your back. Way back. Unbelievable. 3.55 is the time. Mike Sando from The Athletic. He'll join us next, kicking off hour number three of this jam. Whoa, jam. Call it number nine. Oh, let's get call number nine. Let's do call number nine then. Fine. My man. Froggy Leap. I was so excited about some jam. It was raining outside, so I'm just, I'm in the zone. Sometimes when I get in the zone, I can't be denied. I just go. Right? Sometimes it just takes me. I don't even take it. It takes me. Call number nine. How about we hook it up? You know what I'm going to do real quick? What are you going to do? When we go to break? What? I am going to walk over to Sylvia's office and I'm just going to jam and see what happens. She's probably going to jam you right out. She loves emo (laughs) music. She was up there jamming some emo music earlier. She's probably going to look at you like you're crazy. You're going to answer the phone. Call number nine is what we're looking for right now. 702-365-9200. We got a four-pack of tickets to Vegas Vipers, and that is the jam. The Whoa Jam. It's going on this weekend. You want to go see them pick up their second W? Damon and Harry Ruiz will be on the call. It's Rare Nation Radio 920. Hit us up. And let's get an audit.